Hey everybody, AJ here. I just wanted to tell you exciting news. We are rolling out our self-storage income community. So many people asked if we had anything to participate, any groups to do that weren't the high level inner circle. And until now, we haven't. We are rolling it out. It's already open. We already have members. You can Follow the link below, click to join, join in the Facebook group. You get everything from our modelers. You get the community, education. We have videos, everything from underwriting and more. This is meant to allow people to work together, to share information, to do deals together so we can all succeed. Join now, sign up, and let your progress and future in self-storage begin today. See you there. Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third tier markets to large hundred plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Hey guys, what is going on? My name is Yen and welcome back to the Self-Storage Income Podcast. Today we have Terry Campbell here on the podcast. He is the CEO of Copper Storage Management. How do you save money? and time letting somebody else or using a different tool to manage your facility and to operate your property at maximum efficiency. This can be, you know, anything from like the day-to-day bookkeeping of the facility, customer service, having a call center, doing marketing, collections, lien auctions. These are all essential parts of the self-storage business. So I'm super excited for this episode. There are a ton of gold nuggets that you're not going to want to miss, including a collaboration between Copper Storage Management and our sponsor, Live Oak Bank. We've been talking about it for a couple of weeks now. We're getting really, really close. It's just in a couple of days, guys. Live Oak Bank is hosting a webinar on November 17th where they dive a little bit more into that management and financing side of self-storage facilities. It takes place November 17th at 2 p.m. If it's not on your calendar already, it's just in a couple of days, guys. I'll leave a link in the show notes below. Go check it out. It's a great free resource. But anyways, guys, let's jump right into this episode. Welcome back, everybody, to the Self-Storage Income Podcast. You've got me, Connor, hanging out with you guys today. AJ is out of the office, hanging out, crushing storage deals, doing what he does, you know, all over the place. Uh, Guy's amazing, doing a lot of really cool stuff. Um, We've got an awesome guest lined up for you guys today. We've got the man himself, Terry Campbell. You guys might recognize the name. He's been on the podcast before, is a total absolute wealth of knowledge in the self-storage industry, uh, from lending, operations, management, all things. And uh, we're super excited to welcome him back on and uh, just to have him share all of this uh, wealth of knowledge that he's built up over the the years of being in the self-storage industry. Uh, As you guys know, uh, we like to work with the experts in the industry. We like to communicate with them. We like to uh, partner with them. And and Terry is is no, um, uh, no exception. So Terry, welcome, man. Thanks so much for coming on and hanging out with me. Thanks for having me on again. I I, pre, I really appreciate it. Boy, you've uh, given me a, a lot to live up to there in that intro. Yeah, yeah, you, dude, you better deliver. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm in trouble now. You've set the bar pretty high. 
Yeah, no, you're gonna you're gonna do fantastic, man. I, I know everybody's really enjoyed the podcasts that we've done in the past. Uh, we've gotten nothing but just raving reviews um, about you, the content that you you've shared with people, and, and the help that you've offered and provided, and things like that. And so, uh, yeah, no, it's it's an honor to have you back on, man. Well, I appreciate it. You know, I was just thinking you and I did one together uh, last September, a year ago, September. And the, and the reason I remember that is I had a torn meniscus and I was working from my living room. I'm sorry, my dining room, my dining room. So it's been a while. It's, it's been, a while. been a minute. Yeah, a year ago. It's it's crazy how fast the time goes and and how much has changed from then to now, which uh, I, I definitely kind of want to get into for sure. And, and kind of just your journey through everything in the past couple of years, it's been kind of insane. A lot of things going on and in all things, you know, the economy, but especially the self-storage industry and uh, what we're seeing, what's going on. And um, even just in the last few months, how things are changing and, and looking and, and panning out. So uh, there's a lot of lot of value to be discovered and a lot of value to extract from this, this episode for sure. Um, first and foremost, before we dive too much into it, do you want to kind of just give uh, some of the new listeners, some return listeners, just a little bit of background on who you are, what you've done, and uh, kind of where you where you're at now and and what you're doing. Sure. Well, it's uh, been almost 28 years now since I got into the industry. January January will be 28 years. My first 20, I was with uh, Betco, one of the self storage building suppliers out there. I was there for 20 years. Uh, sort of started in uh, as a drafter and an estimator, and I really grew up in the industry there. And when I left, I was executive VP of operations and VP of sales and marketing. So I uh, learned a lot there, grew up a lot there. And uh, I was recruited by Live at Bank, uh, which, you know, I left Betco and went there to start the self-storage self lending team. And I uh, was there for a little over seven years. And I think you just had Anna on recently who um, who took my, my place as the, the lead of the team there. And uh, so I left there. And the reason I left, Live Oak was, um, you know, it was a great place. And uh, I actually learned a lot there. And did, we did a lot of things. Our team uh, did a lot of work and helped a lot of folks to get into the self-storage industry. But I had an opportunity to uh, to be part of uh, a partner um, with another company, uh, Copper Storage Management. Uh, I was partners and been friends with uh, the coppers and and partners with them on self-storage facilities for several years now. And um, one of uh, Brett Copper, um, he started an unmanned management model to operate our facilities because we knew, you know, we don't want to deal with uh, with managers because it's getting so hard to find people. They don't stay very long. It's just, uh, you, you know, you're depending on one person for your your business and we're like you know we don't really want to go that route and so brett was kind of tasked with coming up with that and uh, he developed it uh for our portfolio and it did really really well for us and during the pandemic and and uh even a little bit before that but during the pandemic folks were seeing how you know we were already contactless and um being uh, being contactless at that time was great and so our model uh, sort of grew into not just something for us but a third-party management and uh, so they asked me to come on back earlier this year to be ceo and partner and that's how i'm where i am now been a, it's been a long fast trip long fast trip man and just such a an incredible uh, journey going from uh, going from Betco, which is just a, a huge name in the self-storage industry uh, all over the place and has been for a long time. And then, uh, you know, being an estimator and doing that stuff there, drafter, I mean, that's just, 
an incredible amount of experience in that in itself. And then that, you know, time you spent at Live Oak Bank and building out that capability. And man, what an, uh, what an incredible legacy to, to have, you know, with everything at, at Live Oak Bank. Again, that's kind of another thing that we get feedback all the time from listeners and, and people that we've communicated with and, and directed to Live Oak is just how, how amazing that team is over there and, and the incredible work that they've done. And uh, so it's just, it's awesome, and to, to have your you know, like stamp on that, that's pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, I feel pretty cool to be part of that. It, it really was. When I when I left, and I'm sure I'm going to mention this before, but uh, right about the time I left back in April, right after I left, uh, they crossed the billion-dollar mark. And you know, I was hoping that, that it would happen before I left, but they crossed a billion dollars in loans uh, right after I left. Uh, so that was, you know, very proud of the team and and uh, in reaching that goal. That was a, That was a big deal. Yeah, no, that is a huge deal for sure. It's a lot of money, man, and a lot of uh, a lot of influence and a lot of a lot of amazing work. You know, just helping people get into the the storage industry. You know, through SBAs and these other aspects. And um, if anybody's listen listening to this episode, go back and listen to that episode with Anna, and you can go back and listen to the episodes we've had with uh, with Terry. And uh, it's just been been an amazing journey for these guys and and the different things that they've set up and accomplished. So. Um, with that said, man, I want to talk a little bit about um, copper storage management. I want to kind of jump into that. Like, what all is it that you guys are doing? I know you kind of touched a little bit on unmanned, and we can kind of dissect that a little bit and kind of see what that looks like. But what all what all capabilities do you guys currently have, and what do you do? Well, we we will do um, remotely managed facilities for. Uh, or management for pretty much any facility. We've done, you know, tiny little facilities, 100 units up to, uh, you know, three stories that are over 700 units. So we can, you know, do pretty much in, anything uh, in between those. And and I don't know that there's actually a limit to what would actually work uh, for this model. You know, a lot of people uh, over the years have been a little afraid of that model or they're thinking, oh, I need to fill up the, you know, get it, get it full and then, then switch over. But we've, we've been showing and proving that that's not necessarily the case and it's not what you need to do. Mm-hmm. No, that's fantastic. And, and have you gotten any kind of, I mean, what are, what have been the hurdles that you guys have had to overcome in, in doing this, this unmanned facility? Cause I know it was a really popular concept for, uh, a lot of individuals, especially with smaller facilities, but the larger facilities, I know it was kind of always a struggle. So what kind of what kind of hurdles did you guys run into and how did you solve those as far as implementing this this management style and this strategy? Sure. Well, one of the the uh, there, there are a few things. Uh, the first one is, um, you know, when you're operating unmanned uh, and you're renting units, you need to have somebody that the, the customer can talk to if they need to. You know, we we depend on a website, a really good website uh, for them to be able to rent units on, but uh, a very good call center is essential. It's essential. And, you know, we we built our own call center. Uh, we, we, we've refined it many, many times. We've really gotten it to a point where it's doing really well now. So having the call center there so that people can actually have someone to talk to if they've got questions. So, you know, these days, a lot of people, they're going to go online to find you. When they find you, they find the website, they can rent a unit. It's very easy to rent a unit. Uh, you you determine which size you want. If you don't know, there's the way, you know, it tells you what's going to fit in, a, in these size units. Uh, but, and a lot of people do rent 
uh, and it's more and more, you know, all the time that's renting from the website. And again, if they they don't uh, want to do that or have questions, they just pick up the phone uh, and and give us a call uh, and on our call center, and they will walk them through the process. And if somebody just shows up on site and they don't know that it's unmanned, we have signs up everywhere. We have, we try to make it very clear and very plain uh, that. This is uh, an unmanned facility. Here's how you rent the unit. Uh, we have QR codes up on signs where they can sort of zap the QR code, go on and uh, rent the unit. And uh, if if not, again, there's the, there signs up with the, the numbers for the call center uh, as well, so they can reach out like that. That was one. That was one of the first and biggest hurdles. Um, also, you know, when you say unmanned, um, we we like to say remote because it's never 100% unmanned. You're always gonna have somebody to take care of certain things. So we will we will find and train and manage uh, what we call a boots on the ground person. It's, usually, it's a 1099 uh, contract person that's local to that market. We'll find them, train them, handle them and everything. They technically belong to, as far as payroll and so forth, uh, to the owner. Uh, but we handle the the management of them uh, in addition to finding them. Now, this person is going to uh, go to the facility. Uh, depending on the size of the facility, they may, or may only go once a week, and it may only be for a few hours, depending, again, on the size of it. But they're going to take care of things like spraying weeds and cleaning out units uh, that, that, in, that need to be rented uh, and also doing overlocks. Uh, that's that's another big question we always get is what about auctions and, and that sort of thing when people aren't paying their bills? Well, we do the first of the month billing so that uh, when that boots on the ground person is out there for his first visit of the month, he can also put the locks on. We use the DaVinci lock system. It works really, really well for our model. Uh, da Vinci Lock is is great. You know they put it on the the unit. They're they're given a list of uh, units that they need to overlock. They put these locks on, and they upload the information through the app on their phone. Uh, so you know we know who has been overlocked. That way, whenever the customer and the customer knows this, once they're overlocked, uh, they're getting texts and emails, and they know or we're, we're calling them too, but they know that. And it's like okay, you want to get back into your unit. Here's how you do it. You go in, you make your payment. Once you make your payment, we give you a code. You get back into the facility and that uh, lock has its own combination. And here's what it is. You take the com combination lock off, throw it in a box that's attached to the side of the building and, and all is good. Uh, so those are some of the hurdles, you know, the, the, the person there to actually take care of things if there's maintenance issues or something's going on. Uh, we have somebody local, the call center, big deal. Uh, and then the uh, auction process and lien process. Uh, those are some of the, the major things people are like, how do you handle these? And that's that's been how we've overcome it and really made this model work. And and I, I'll say it, it, it works really good because when I came on board April 4th, I think we had 91 facilities. And today we either have uh, under management or under contract to bring on shortly uh, between 150 and 160 and several more behind that that are about to sign contracts or uh, are signing them now. So uh, it's working. Um, we, you know, we, we handle the whole thing, revenue management, uh, the auction process, again, you know, website, marketing, we, we handle it all. And we offer optional bookkeeping for those who want it. Uh, if they don't, they do it themselves. Mm -hmm. 
No, that's fantastic. And so you're you're essentially just this vertically integrated system of of management. Right. Yeah. Yep. No, that's amazing. And that that's I'm glad you you touched on the unmanned, you know, the definition of what, a, what an unmanned facility is because I feel like there is that misconception that unmanned means like there's, you know, no employees anywhere. Um and and that's just not the case like all those examples you talked about, the auctions, the moveouts, overlocks, the different things. I mean, just boots on the ground, you've got to have them. There there has to be a presence there. You have to make sure the facility's doing well. Um and I think that's a a mistake that a lot of people make with this 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 concept of unmanned. So, I'm glad you touched on that for sure. Um, how do you go about so I've got a couple questions first let's just tackle the call center yeah. you said you you built all of that out on your own you guys actually built your own call center is that what you said yes we did we built out our own call center at one point um, they, there was such a, a huge amount of growth before I came on they hired like dozens of folks so we've whittled it down to you know what it needs to be uh, but we, uh, they, uh, I say we, I wasn't here yet. Uh, they, they started out, uh, you know, with just a few people and, um, then they started hiring more and more. And then we, we had, to, we figured out right now that we need probably one call center person for every approximately five facilities. Um, so we've, we've got that kind of figured out, but they were hiring anybody they could because we, they, they couldn't keep up. Uh, brought them on, went through lots of training with them, trained them on all the software on you know how to handle problems and situations. And um, that's that is one of the biggest, hardest parts of doing it remotely and one of the most costly. And um, but but we've got it figured out. Yeah, well, and and two, I mean, you talk about cost and things like that, but I mean, when you look at these issues that we're running into uh, in you know, just this world of, of staffing that we're living in right now. Um, that's a, a major, major issue that we've ran into is, is finding the personnel and training them in the retention. And I mean, you look at the cost of, you know, recruitment and training and all of those things and that turnover cost of uh, employees. And it, I mean, the investment in building out your own call center just might end up, you know, penciling out just fine. So no, that's uh, that's that's an awesome way to solve that issue. I mean, we're we're looking at different systems right now. We're look, we're uh, we're kind of testing out and looking at different systems as well to to see how we can improve our operations um, and with with unmanned capabilities um, because we're running into that same problem. We've had certain facilities that we've you know just had closed certain times of the you know week and different things where we've got employees that you know we have retained that are going back and forth to and the different things and. So we're, we're plugging in all these different uh, pieces of technology to make this stuff work. And um, I think it's just one of those things you got to adapt, adapt or die kind of a deal. And, um, and the more and more that that user experience and expectation, I think, is, is built upon kind of that you know, storage and everything on demand platform. Um, I mean, it's just the, the natural progression, it seems like, of, of most things is just everything is just on demand, you know, that whether it's movie theaters, entertainment, uh, food, any of that stuff. Um, and I, I don't think storage is any, any exception there. So, uh, no, that's awesome. The, the next thing, the boots on the ground and finding those, so you 1099 all those guys. Yeah, yeah they're, they're 1099 to the customer. Gotcha. How do you guys, like, what are you looking for in those people? How do you find those people? Uh, well, typically, uh, we we put out uh, the word and feelers through our network of folks uh, out there. We do it through LinkedIn. We do it through Indeed. We we just they have different ways of finding these folks, and 
And we found that that's one of the easier positions to fill because typically you find somebody who's retired or semi-retired who's got some mechanical ability that wants to get out of the house and make a little money. And uh, it's we th we've not really had any issue from what I understand. When I've been told, that's one of the easier slots for us to fill. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great way to go about it. Uh, I think there's there's a talent pool out there. Uh, in a, a specific market and group of individuals that uh, are, are great to be able to capitalize on and utilize for sure. Um, I mean, with increased costs and inflation and these different things going on in the economy, I think there's a lot of, of people looking to, you know, maybe try to find something that they can go, you know, back part time to or whatever that looks like and, and do just that, you know, especially those that have kind of retired and are on uh, fixed incomes and these different things. So, uh, no, great, great move there for sure. Uh, can you touch on, you mentioned that you guys use the DaVinci locks and you kind of touched a little bit on the capability there, but could you kind of just expand on, because I, I know people are curious on how to make this work and like the actual granular aspect. Can you touch on how, how exactly those DaVinci locks work and just the capabilities there? Sure, sure. The DaVinci the, the lock is basically a disc lock with a combination on it. Instead of a key, it's a, it's a combination lock and it's got a serial number or a code that's stamped into the face of it. And whenever our boots on the ground person puts that lock on, he enters that um, unit number that's being overlocked and he enters that serial number that's stamped onto that lock into the software so that when uh, it's, it's uploaded into the software, the customer pays his bill and they get uh, an email and a text and uh, once they've paid their bill and, and like, oh, here's your code to unlock that lock. And they just get, you know go to their unit, uh, turn the combination to whatever that combination is, take the lock off and they put it in a box uh, there, there's, you know, boxes mounted around on the side of the buildings to put these in. And if for some reason they don't return it, it's like a $50 uh, fee for that lock. So they're usually going to return it. They're not going to want to keep it for 50 bucks. But it's, uh, it's, it's a great way to handle it. Um, very straightforward. And like I said, for this model, for our model, it works great. Yeah, yeah, because I was kind of curious. I didn't know if you guys were using, uh, doing some no key stuff or, or any of that kind of jazz. But um, how do you do? You guys, yeah. How do you? What do you guys do as far as the gate, like access to the facility? How does that work? Yeah, it's uh, most every facility. There's some we manage that don't have gates, uh, but we we prefer to have a gate there, and we want to make sure you know it when we when we bring the customer on and we onboard if they don't have the right keypad then we have to switch it out to a keypad that talks to the software. We, we do require everybody be on the same software. And uh, if that keypad doesn't talk to the software, we, we have to get them to change it out. Uh, and, you know, we'll handle the process for them to get it done. Uh, but, um, you know, we want everybody to have a gate and, you know, some and gates break down. That, that, that's the thing. That's one of the calls that we probably get the most is the, the gate's not working. So if the gate's not working, you know, we try a few things remotely. And if we can't make it work, then we call the boots on the ground to go out, take a look, see if you can see what's wrong. If not, then get the local gate company out there as soon as possible to fix it. Yeah, no, I love it. Yeah, that's that's one of the most common things is is the gates, you know, whether it's not letting people in or not letting people out. And there's always <laughs> always gate stuff going on, it seems like. Exactly. And, you know, speaking of, the, speaking of the gate, you know, one of the questions we do get a lot is what about secure? What about theft? You know, break ins and that sort of thing. Now, you know, you're in man. Well, 
we have uh, if we have break ins and we do, it, it's just like a man facility. It's after hours. It's at night. It's not during the day. It's it's always after hours. So it it really doesn't matter. One of the best ways to optimize management and to increase the value of your self storage facility is through property management. And that means you're going to need really good property management software. That's where Tenant Inc. comes in. These guys have a huge amount of tools at your fingertips that you guys can deploy and put into motion to extract the maximum amount of value and deploy the maximum amount of value at your storage facility. Again, this is Tenant Inc. Be sure to check them out. They're all things property management. It's truly your one-stop shop. Check them out. Link is in the show notes. All right, guys, so whether we're building a storage facility or, you know, we've got a facility that we've owned for however long or we're acquiring a facility that's, you know, 30 years old, whatever that is, we're always looking for ways to increase value, right? We're looking for that value add. One of the best ways to do that is through Janus International. Their R3 program, which is essentially a rehabilitation program for self-storage facilities, <laughs> which is drastically needed in so many cases, right? Because these assets in a lot of cases are very old. They're, they're 20, 30, 40, 50 years old in some cases, whatever that looks like, and they need a major facelift. They need new doors, they need new roofs, they need new siding, they need new gates and technology. Janus International provides those solutions for you. Check out the link in the show notes, bring up that value storage facility and get in touch with Janus International. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point too. I wouldn't even thought about asking that, but like thinking outside the, you know, outside of actually being in the industry and and realizing kind of when those things are taking place and how and stuff. I mean, yeah, that I don't think that would really be a factor at all in the fact that yeah, most people are just coming in and and, you know, causing harm at night and when there's not anybody there to begin with. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. uh, yeah, it doesn't really matter. And you've got, uh, you know, most of our facilities that we, we've always got uh, camera systems and security systems and the different things in place to help, uh, you know, in lighting and these different things to help prevent and document, you know, crime if it's taking place at the facility. So, um, but yeah, there's, there's, I don't think there's anything that you can do to 100% eliminate that. And uh, yeah, I don't think that would really be too much of a factor in, in running a facility uh, in an unmanned style. And again, like you said, you've got the boots on the ground. You need somebody to go over and check something out, like call them up. Yeah. They go over there, they check it out. You're good to go. So no, that's awesome, man. That's, that's such a cool I model. Bring it up. I bring it up because I know that somebody who's listening to this recording later may think of that. And because we do get that question. So I want to go ahead and bring it up and answer it now. Yeah, yeah. What other what other questions do you get a lot about the unmanned model? Uh, what are some of the most common ones you get where people are just well, like, man, what the heck? Uh, it's mostly around uh, things that the boots on the ground handles. And and it's it's about it's about the the secure it's about the overlocks. Uh, overlocks and security, those are some of the biggest things that we're asked about is how do you do that? How do you handle that? How do you handle lean, the auction process and things like that? But uh, those are some of the biggest ones, which we've already talked about. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Have you gotten any, so let's say somebody's coming to you and they're they're wanting you to run their facilities and manage it. Or have you gotten any pushback and in thoughts on like, hey, well, they're not getting like a person to person experience. You know, there's not that sales experience going on. Like, has that ever been a concern? No, I mean, some people have that concern, and uh, then we, we, we give them some anecdotal uh, information is, uh, you know, we because we designed this using our portfolio as a guinea pig for quite a while and went through different iterations and changes and trial and error and so forth. And there were facilities that we bought 
that the the manager, or of course the manager might would probably say this, but the customer, um, the seller would say, you know, that's never going to work here. These people aren't used to that. They're they're not. They that's never going to work here. And and I'll tell you, uh, one of our case studies that I like to give is that there was a facility uh, that we bought for is in rural Tennessee. Uh, I think we paid like one point three seven five for it. And uh, they forgot to tell the manager that they didn't have a job anymore. So we had to let them go. And that manager actually said, hey, well, my husband's the chief of police. I hope you never need any police here. Nobody's ever going to rent here again. I mean, it, it got ugly. Uh, this is not going to work. I'm going to tell everybody not to rent. Well, long story short, 18 months later, uh, using this model, okay, of, of course, a big part of it is removing the salary of the manager. Uh, that's that's a big number, you know. Uh, and when you put a cap rate on it, it, it's, it turns into a lot of value. But using, um, um, you know, removing the manager, implementing um, our own model here, the revenue management we do, uh, the auctions, tenant insurance, getting everybody out that wasn't paying, you know, all these things that can go wrong when you actually have somebody there that is face-to-face and sometimes develops relationships with these people. Okay, that facility we gave $1.375 million for, 18 months later, it appraised for four point two. So the model, where we just had somebody this week who's actually selling one of their facilities we took over for them. And they were uh, emailing us about how much money they're making on this because of the value we've added to this facility. I mean, it is some people say, well, you know, I, I can see this is the way of the future. And I'm like, I disagree. It's the way of the present because it's happening. It's been happening. You know, the automation, the, un, the this type of thing, we're all accustomed to it. I mean, we were accustomed to it before the pandemic. That just sped it up. But I mean, if I want, if I want to get a hotel room, I want to go on my app. I want to book it. I want to get the digital key. I don't want to go to the desk. I don't want to talk to anybody. There's a lot of that same type of thinking. It, it's, it's a little different, but it's it's very similar to that in renting a unit. It's like, I need a unit. Uh, here's what I can do. And, you know, and we make it convenient. I mean, that's some people think it's not convenient. We, we, we make it convenient to rent a unit because, for example, if you've got the traditional management going on, you got a manager there. Typically, they're there from maybe nine to five or something like that. And if I need to rent a unit, I'm going to have to leave work early or I'm going to have to go during lunch or something like that to rent the unit. With us, our call center is open 12 hours a day from 8 to 8. So you can rent a unit through the call center 12 hours a day or online 24 hours a day. So we make it very easy to rent, very convenient for you to rent a unit. And then you just you know go to your unit whenever you're ready to go to it. Uh, so you know, we try to make it as easy as we can. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. Yeah. No, and it's such a it's such a good point because like I was sharing, I mean, before we started implementing some of these technologies and capabilities, I mean, we were shutting down facilities and these different things for portions of days. And I mean, you think of, you know, one or two individuals coming in per day, uh, spread out over time and the value, you know, lifetime value that uh, customer and missing out on those opportunities, that's a major cost. Um, and, and I think you're totally right again, kind of touching on that on-demand situation that everybody is just really coming to expect. And, and to the other side of that coin as well, as well as, you know, while we're talking about it is there's always some kind of like, well, what if you get this kind of customer? What if you get this kind of person that, you know, they don't want to use that or they don't want to do that. And really for, for me and in my, my personal view on this as well, 
then that customer can go and, and rent from somebody that doesn't have that. Because, you know, we want these yeah. types of customers that actually are going to use the technology and they're going to use the stuff. And those are the kinds of people that we want. And I know, you know, we've talked on the podcast here a lot about identifying those types of customers that you want at your facility. And, and this whole thing kind of ties into that, where uh, whether you're talking technology like this or going to, you know, going to like a cashless uh, type model and these different things. I mean, there's so many different strategies that people talk about, and it's really just, I mean, what kind of strategy do you want to use and what, what makes sense to you? But it's just identifying those customers is, is a big deal and getting those people in. And um, that was that's something else that I was kind of thinking that, you know, those listeners out there might be thinking of, well, what if there's, you know, this there's always, that was one of the big things with Noki when it was coming out. Well, what if you got you know, all these people that don't want to, you know, use an app to rent a, a storage unit or they're, you know, they're old or elderly and they don't have a smartphone or whatever it is. And it's like, well, you know, we have all the support that we can, you know, make it easy for them, make it convenient, like you're saying. Um, but if ultimately that's not what they want, then, you know, we're not the we're not the product for them. Right. That's right. Exactly. Another question uh, that I failed to mention earlier that people ask is if we're looking to take over their facility is, well, there's a lot of people paying cash now. Well, what do you do about that? Uh, well, we tell them they've got to convert over to a credit card or, you know, they won't be able to rent here. We give them usually 60 days to convert, you know, to get everything changed over. No checks, no, no cash. It's all going to be credit card. And you virtually never lose anybody. Once in a blue moon, uh, you might lose a person, you know, one out of a hundred at most uh, that you might lose. But um, that's just, it, it, you You got to be uniform. You got to, uh, you know, have everything uh, done the same way uh, to make it work and make it efficient. Uh, so, you know, taking three different types of payments, not an option. Plus, if there's nobody on site, how are you going to take the cash? What are you going to do with it? And, you know, there's actually some rules and laws out there that, you know, you have to take, you can't say you won't take cash, but that doesn't apply if you don't have anybody on site. Uh, it's it's like, you know, you know, it's just like Amazon. There's nobody there to take your money and to take your cash. You got to do credit card. Exactly. Exactly. No, I think that's been another big discussion over the past, you know, couple of years where there's a lot of, a lot of facilities and businesses, you know, still doing cash. And again, you think of, you know, we're talking ways of, of increasing value of storage facilities, right? I mean, you can increase revenue, increase or decrease uh, expenses. You know, those are your two levers that you can pull. And uh, I mean, we're talking about pulling both, right? Where increasing revenue and, and decreasing expenses. And I want to talk, talk a little bit about revenue management and some of the things you guys are doing there. But um, I mean, you think of the cost that it takes to, you know, to take cash and check and to process those and to manage those and to get all of that to the bank and to, I mean, to track all of those things, the infrastructure that goes into that one thing alone is in, is massive. Yeah. Sure is. So being able well, to eliminate that is, 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 is a huge deal. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> now with revenue management, um, you know, you were asking about, we have a team that, that that's all they do is revenue management. We use some of the online uh, systems that helps us to uh, make decisions. You know, we're not, not big enough to have some, you know, spend millions of dollars on algorithms and things like that. So we subscribe to, uh, you know, certain programs and certain companies and uh, our our team uh, looks at that, looks at the facilities, each facility, each unit size. Uh, you know, if we're, if we're below a certain percentage on a unit, we're going to uh, run a special or, or you know, change the rates or whatever. But we're constantly trying to push rates. We're tr constantly trying to take them to the point that, that, okay, this is as far as we can go. 
Um, and we we watch for that and we pay attention to that because that you know that's uh, it's it's funny because quite often we have customers that uh, they call us they're upset because their occupancy has fallen. Okay, we're you know a month and a half two months in. And what we've done is got rid of all their delinquencies. We've had auctions. We've done all these things. But at the same time, we push rates. Say, so, yes, we understand your occupancy has gone down, but look at your income. It's actually gone up. Your income's higher. And so that's just going to give you that much more room to make more money later. But, you know, we get that a lot. That's that's such a good caveat and such a good point, too, as we're talking about these these different concepts and implementing these these models is, uh, it's just you hear that over and over again, occupancy and occupancy and occupancy, and it's just hammered in. And um, it really it's like, well, what's your revenue? I mean, that's that's really the thing that you should be looking at. And, then, and you know, we talk about these metrics that matter kind of here on the podcast quite a bit. And and that's one of those metrics that really matters. It's you know, occupancy is important. But I mean, really, at the end of the day, I mean, if I could have a facility that was, you know, 80 percent you know, occupied with you know, double the revenue that a hundred percent occupied facility would have. Like I'm going to do that all day. <laughs> yeah. It's like, do you want occupancy? Okay. Which kind physical or economic? Yeah. Economics. What, what matters is not the physical. I've even said, Hey, do you pay your bills with occupancy or income? You know, give us, a, give us a break. We just cleaned up everything. We increased your rates. We cleaned out the deadbeats. And now you've just got that many more units that you can get the higher rate in. It's going to look better. And and they 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 finally, you know, they get it. It doesn't take long to get them to understand that. And then after X number of months, you know, uh, I think it's uh what at a at a seven or seven and a half cap, all you need is fifty eight hundred and thirty-three dollars increase in NOI a month to increase your facility to a, by a million dollars. Okay. You can do that. I mean, we can do that a lot of times, you know, by dropping the, the salaries and uh, increasing revenue, you know, within a couple months. And we've done it. We've seen it. We've done it ourselves. And um, people just have to trust the process. Uh, some, it's, it's still different. It's still new to some people. But trust the process. And, uh, you know, we, we do require we require tenant insurance. So a lot of these facilities didn't have it. We implement it for our customers. We we do an audit every so often to make sure that, you know, the people are that should be uh, getting the tenant insurance are because, you know, if, if they if they give you uh, evidence and proof that they've got insurance so, you know, elsewhere, we don't require it. But we want to make sure that we're, we're getting that to provide that level of protection uh, an extra level of protection between the tenant and the owner and also a revenue stream uh, as as well for the owner. And, you know, that that itself uh, in some facilities can make a big difference in your value. Um, I'm, I'm going to tell you something anecdotal here uh, for just humor me for a minute is uh, I'm a partner in a big facility and um, I won't even say where it's at because I don't want to indicate who's who's managing. But it's it's managed by one of the big companies. You know, we didn't exist when our facility was built, so uh, Copper Storage Management didn't. And that facility back, um, I took a look not long ago and saw that um, if we pulled out their expenses and put in Copper Storage expenses, and if we added the tenant insurance, this was this is what made me think of it because I'm talking about tenant insurance. If we added tenant insurance. Uh, with the company we're using now, we don't get any of the tenant insurance. So if I, 
if I add the the 50% of tenant insurance you're going to get with us managing the facility. Uh, long story short, I redid the uh, the NOI on that facility. We just had refinanced it, so I had a brand new uh, appraisal with a cap rate, and I applied that cap. And uh, the difference between that company managing it and us is right at four million dollars in value. Wow! Yeah, that's a that's a that's an amazing deal because I mean. That's one of the big things too, as you look at a lot of these facilities and, and I mean, they're people's nest eggs, right? And yeah, yeah. when you're looking at value and an exit, I mean, it's extremely important to be able to, you know, have that comfort to know that you've really maximized that, uh, that facility and that revenue and that, that value of that facility. Yep. So like I said, that's just a little anecdotal, you know, information that, that I like to share that, uh, it does work. It does add value. We we used it on our portfolio. We actually sold our portfolio in a, in a March, uh, and we've started rebuilding it and doing the doing the same thing. And so we can show the evidence that, that it works. It's just that people, again, it's still new to some people. They just got to trust the process and let it work. Because yeah. people people will, you know, everybody's afraid to do anything. They're afraid to raise rates. They're afraid to take uh, only credit cards and. It, it works. I mean, it, it it is a little scary sometimes. There's been times where you know it was pucker time, pucker factor going on whenever we were increasing rates, and uh, but you know it worked. And then you do you'll find the level spot, you know, where you got to stop. But we've actually had customers demand we reduce their rates from where we put them up to, and then within uh, several weeks later, we had them right back to where we put them to begin with. And when we showed them, you lost that income for those x number of weeks because you wouldn't let us keep it there. Hmm. Yeah. No. That's that's interesting, and it's just it's such a testament again to just trusting the process and, and partnering with the experts that have done this before that know what they're doing. Um, it's it's such a key thing, and it's it's funny because yeah, whether it's the the credit cards or increasing rates, this that change is always it's that fear of the unknown, right? Like, oh, what's going to happen? But I mean, it's just on the other side of that. A lot of times is. If you're doing it right, again, partnering with experts and, you know, making sure you're doing things right. I mean, you're going to end up increasing values. You're going to you're going to be a lot better off than, you know, not doing that stuff at all, for sure. Exactly. And, you know, there's there's no magic here. There's nothing proprietary about what we do. It's just uh, our processes, our relationships, the vendors we use and the combination. And, you know, I liken it to, to baking a cake. You know, you got sugar and salt and flour and cocoa, and it's sort of the same with us. You know, we're making a cake, except we're, you know, using this vendor, that vendor, the other vendor, and all these, you know, we there's been some trial and error. Uh, you know, we've gone to one of the, the websites that, where we have a master website and everyone's under us that gives a boost to the SEO for everybody. It's just little things that we do all along uh, that can help enhance um, the, the um, uh, value uh, of these facilities. No, I love that. And in talking real, I had a question that popped up in my head when we were talking about credit cards. Do you guys, so you said that um, you get, you'll generally give everybody 60 days. Do you phase that out at the facility or is it just everybody all at once, like 60 days? It, yeah, everybody. If you're not on credit card or they don't have credit card, we, we, you've got 60 days to, uh, to, you know, give us a credit card number because we're not taking any more checks and we're not taking any cash at all. We'll take checks. Uh, mailed to a P.O. box at our corporate address, but we won't take cash and we'll only do that for 60 days until they can do it. But what we have found is most people are like, hallelujah, thank goodness we can use credit cards now. Oh my gosh, you know, we I'm so glad I can use a credit card and put it on Autobill and I don't have to worry about it now. Yeah. 
No, exactly. And that's, that's again, it's just the, the efficiency of all things that come, comes along with that is just huge. It, you just can't even, it's incalculable. <laughs> uh, no, it's just, it really is. It's, it really it, is. it's amazing. But um, the, the other thing too, I, w- I was curious, have you guys seen like a, a decrease in your expense ratio? I mean, what, what does that look like with this model? Yes, definitely. The the I mean, obviously, because of uh, the the payroll uh, is a, a big expense uh, that comes out. But because we're able to do things in volume, uh, whether it's the websites, whether it is the uh, software, you know, what whatever it is, we're doing things in volume, and we're able to save our customers some money. I mean, just by switching over to. Uh, the the website company that we went to here just recently we actually just launched in September and yeah there's always some bugs we've worked through but we've we've just about got through them but we saved our customers uh let's see I think at least 70 bucks a month um on just the website because of uh, being able to get you know bulk rate I guess you could call it um same thing with the software our customers get a, a discount a 10 percent discount. And we're also working right now on uh, doing a master insurance policy where uh, everybody would go through, you know, be part of our master policy. That way they can get insurance uh, for less and they can save some money on it and also potentially uh, be able to get insurance where they might not have. Let's say, for example, right now, if somebody's trying to get uh, insurance on the west coast of Florida, they might not be able to get it. Uh, but, you know, if we've got a master policy with 150 facilities on it, uh, we've got a little more pull uh, than than you would for a single facility. So we're always trying to do things to bring more value to our customer uh, and help them to make more money while growing our company. No, I love that. And those economies of scale are huge uh, when you're when you're talking about cost savings. And do, do you guys do you achieve that with just the scale of the facilities that you have or do you guys? Are you guys a part of a co-op or anything like that, or how do you guys achieve that? Well, it's mostly because of just the scale, the size of the facility, uh, number of facilities that we manage. We're, we're actually one of the top operators now. Uh, we just found out recently uh, that we are in the you know in the top hundred or hundred fifty, whatever it is. I don't remember, but we're you know we get a lot of calls from people you know wanting to give us discounts. We get you know we get discounts on the tenant insurance, uh, or actually a little more of the share of the the pie than than you might normally get to, and we're always looking for that. We're always looking for ways to save on bank fees and you know what whatever we can uh, to to help bring more value to our customer and more to their bottom line and more to the value for them. No, I love that. I love that. Well, and, and talking values, I kind of wanted to to shift gears a little bit and talk about you know, with this unmanned model with, you know, values and with the, the industry, like, what are you, what are you seeing in the self-storage industry and the overall market and some of these trends we're talking about? I mean, do you see, you know, the big players kind of making more shifts towards this? And uh, I just kind of want to get your pulse on the market in general with, with this strategy and this model. You know, as far as shifts towards uh, the remote management model, uh, I think that's a resounding yes with the 590 million that Extra Space just paid for uh, um, Storage Express. Uh, so they're definitely, you know, I think they're all interested in the model because, you know, right now, you know, they have a certain amount of market share that they can get with their their model and the way that, you know, their cost basis are set up. They can only do facilities of a certain size and make it make sense just because of their structure. Uh, you know, if they were able to do something like this, they can increase their market share. 
Right. No, and, and that's such a, an important piece there, too, because you're talking about kind of a shift in uh, in what makes sense for some of these public companies and these these larger operators in the REITs that, uh, you know, it just, like you said, it didn't make sense before some of these smaller deals. But, man, if you, you can plug in a model like this uh, and, and the technology and the capabilities there to do it effectively and efficiently, uh, I mean, I, I can see that, again, and it's just amazing to see the consolidation of, of the self-storage industry over the past five to ten years. And, and now with the integration of these things with, I, I guess I would just say over the past five years, but now with this major shift like this, I, I can, I mean, I don't know what the, what it's going to look like, but uh, I mean, that consolidation, I think, is going to you know, really start picking up. Yeah, it is. I mean, we, we've got uh, groups that we manage for that. Uh, we're managing uh, that, you know, they're buying five and 10 and 12 and 15, uh, you know, uh, facility portfolios. Uh, they just, you know, keep buying these things up as, as much as they can, as fast as they can. And um, it, it, it just, uh, it, it's, I don't see any end in sight, I guess I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, man. I, I, I wanted to kind of, I wanted to set that one up for you because I know that uh, that's been kind of a topic of late is, is just how, how these things are shifting and, and what we're seeing in these markets and how people are running and operating facilities. Um, the other thing that I was just thinking about too, in relation to this model is um, how do you, how do you guys train those boots on the ground? Do you, do you bring them to like a corporate office and train them there and then send them back? Or do you have just like an online training platform? How, what's the training look like for those boots on the ground? No, we good question. Uh, we've got, uh, our structure that we have, uh, we've got a guy that goes out, uh, or a couple that go out anytime there's an onboarding done, uh, they go out for the onboarding and they meet you know, they've already interviewed uh, boots on the ground on the phone. And then, you know, they, they'll sometimes have the final interviews while they're there onboarding the facility and then hire them. And then they, they train them while they're there. So the training's done in person at the facility. Sometimes there's uh, maybe some uh, additional training done, but usually it can be done very easily over the phone. But it's 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 almost always done in person at the time of onboarding the facility. So they're really so they're there in their element where they're going to be working. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. I, I think that's fantastic. That's an, another hurdle that we've had you know, with questions on a ton is just, you know, how do you how do you train people? How do you onboard facilities and get people in and, and start actually running and operating the facility? You know, you've got this model like how do, how do you go about implementing it, actually? So, uh, no, that's great insight for sure. Um and kind of going back, I kind of went off on the on the side there, but going back a little bit to just the overall self storage market. I mean, what are some of the markets you're looking at? What what are some of the metrics you're you're looking at to invest? I mean, what's what are you really paying attention to? We're we're looking uh, to manage anywhere because our model doesn't require that you have five or six facilities in one market. It, it, it doesn't because we, uh, you know, we have the boots on the ground. So we go, we actually have uh, what would normally be known as a district manager. We call them site coordinators. They go out twice a year because we have a boots on the ground because we get pictures from them because, you know, so we don't have to do that travel. So we can go to any market. Uh, so that that's not an issue. But as far as ownership and, and buying facilities, um, most of what we're doing, and it's just because this is where we get the most leads is the Southeast. Um, Georgia, Alabama, Florida, you know, um, Texas, whatever. But uh, we just uh, bought um, a portfolio in um, 
Alabama. We got another one in Georgia that we're going to buy, and um, I think one in Arkansas. So it's wherever the deals happen to be that that fit our criteria that we look for as investors. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, we're right there with you, and that's uh, you know, we're looking at a lot of those same areas. You know, Tennessee is another huge one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're looking at all those same areas. What are what are some of those metrics that you guys have identified that you're going after? Uh, well, for us, what we're looking for are facilities typically that are pretty full, you know, mom and pops that just had a facility, didn't really know how to operate it, haven't really done anything with it. It's, it's the ideal thing everybody wants, you know, is uh, it's full. They haven't, they don't have a website. They're under market rates. They don't have tenant insurance. I mean, just all the things where you can, you can add a lot of value. That's what we look for. And we also, you know, some people look for that and they're okay with doing CapEx. We don't want any CapEx. We just want to take over make these changes, increase the value, and then decide if we want to keep the cash flow or sell it. And last time around, we were offered such a good price, we had to sell it. Uh, so, you know, it's like, oh my gosh. So, you know, I'd like some cash flow. Uh, but, and, and again, you know, luckily, luckily for most of us in our group is uh, the money we invest in it is, it comes from a self-directed IRA. And by doing that, when we sell it, we don't have to do a 1031. We don't have to pay taxes. It goes right back into that self-directed IRA with no tax implications. Love it. Love it. No, that's a great strategy for sure. And that, that's another thing is, you know, how do you how do you continue compounding this? And that's that's a great strategy for sure. Um, no, man, that's this is just such an exciting time uh, to be kind of going through all these things and seeing what everybody's doing and how they're doing it. Uh, so many great strategies. And uh, this is just one of those things that, Again, man, I think this is just going to get more and more popular as, as time goes forward. And um, again, it's thinking of those exits and the values and, and what REITs are going to be looking for. And um, because, yeah, I mean, if they want to come along and offer a price that would, you know, take me a lifetime to earn and, you know, cash flow, then by all means, <laughs> let's yeah, rock exactly. and roll. Like you guys can have it. You know, our strategy is is uh, is long term hold always um, unless <laughs> that situation right. comes along. Right. Uh, right. So, no, this is fantastic, man. Uh, thanks for coming on and just kind of sharing a little bit about what you're seeing and what you're doing. And I mean, just your story is awesome, man. And you've got such a just great experience to share with everybody. And um, it's just good to get on here and kind of shoot the breeze a little bit and talk about what we're seeing and, and kind of what's going on. Is there anything, I mean, is there anything that you want to touch on that we haven't talked about? I'm trying to think if there's um, that kind of, I, I tell you, like I said, it was in the past, I was kind of leery years ago. I was kind of leery of it. The more I saw it, um, the more I saw this works. And like you said, the, the, the pandemic pushed, just pushed a lot of people towards realizing that's not a bad way to go and the labor pool and, uh, you know, being able to hire the people you need to be on site. And, um, it's, it's, uh, like I said earlier, it's not the way of the future, it's the way of the present. And I think it's just going to keep getting bigger and stronger. Mm-hmm. No, I love it, man. Love it. Um, well, last question, man. Where can people go to kind of connect with you, uh, find you, all that good stuff? Sure. Uh, or if they want to email us, um, uh, my my email address is terry at coppersm.com for copper storage management. Um, they can go to our website, which is uh, copperstoragemanagement.com, and they can call me. Uh, I don't usually give my cell phone out, but here it is, 704-437-4322. I don't mind having these conversations. You know, I, I talk, I talk, breathe, eat, sleep, sleep, live, self-storage. 
Hey, that's why uh, that's why we jive so well, man. That's uh, that's our people. <laughs> that's it. That's uh, it. Dude, Best I love business it. in the world. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, your phone may or may not blow up. Your email may or may not blow up here with uh, all the listeners we've got at this point. But yeah, man, thanks a bunch for for sharing everything and coming on and spending some time with us today. And uh, everybody, sure. yeah, be sure to connect with Terry, connect with his group. They're doing a lot of good work here. And uh, yeah, with that said, thanks a bunch, man. And uh, and one more thing, let me let me add this if you don't mind. Let me throw this out there. Is you know we talked about this earlier. Um, Live Oak Bank and Copper Storage Management. We're going to do a live webinar on November seventeenth. So just you know be looking on LinkedIn, look at our websites, uh, and you'll see the time once we've made a, a decision on that. But we're going to do a, a little co- a little combo uh, seminar webinar about uh, unmanned and how the banks look at it. Perfect. No, that's going to be great. And you said you're you're doing that with Anna. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's going to be that's going to be fantastic. Yeah, you guys won't want to miss out on that. And uh, um, we'll coordinate that. And we'll see if we can get that in the show notes as well, and just get a link kind of set up for everybody to kind of just go straight to that and get. I don't. Do they have to register, or what does that look like? Uh, I think they will have to register. So yes, uh, uh, just like I said, be watching. Go to our web email. I mean, our websites and LinkedIn and. Uh, we'll hopefully, and if, and if you, you can't find it, you know, contact me through one of those ways I just gave you and we'll get you hooked up. Perfect. Perfect. Hey, that sounds great, Terry. Thanks a bunch, man. We'll talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me again, Connor. I appreciate it. Tell AJ I hate I missed him. Yeah, yeah, will do. <laughs> Thanks, man. Take care. Another great episode. It was great having Terry on. But before I wrap things up, I'm going to read a couple more reviews that you guys have been leaving us here on the podcast. Nido Invest says, wow. AJ is a magician when it comes to understanding macro events, simplifying them, and explaining how it affects individuals, and then how we can take advantage of the next eight months. Mick Leach, I believe, I might be butchering your name, he says, listen for the economics alone. I'm not a storage investor yet, but trying to learn. I know when I listen to this podcast, I'm not only going to find out about storage, but the market perspective and where things are going. I wish they'd do more newbie episodes because some of the guests are so high level, but love to listen to the big boys and how they think anyhow. Well, thanks so much for tuning in and leaving us that excellent review. That's actually something that we have been trying to integrate across all of our platforms and our brand self-storage income. We realize that sometimes our topics can be really high level and complicated. We've been trying to change that within our last few episodes, and we've got more coming in future episodes where we bring on different guests and talk about these different topics, we're going to be integrating more of that new person perspective. So if you're just entering the industry, you're going to want to stick around. We've got lots of good stuff coming. T. Mabel says, I've been listening to this podcast for about two years and have learned so much about self-storage, investing, and the nuances in the industry. AJ is passionate about what he does and really does make you want to go out and get involved with self-storage. And not going to lie, he's kind of had that uh, same effect on me. Now I'm kind of eyeballing self-storage, if you know what I'm saying. I know AJ wasn't on this episode, but he'll be back next week for even more awesome self-storage content. But anyways, that's it for me, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.